This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome and happy Victoria Day. So, did you get to watch the royal wedding on Saturday? You know, that's almost a silly question because it would have been almost impossible to avoid seeing it. Coverage has been ubiquitous and nonstop, and it's all over social media and dominating everyday conversations. You know, uh, I was going to be kind of laissez-faire if I was up fine. My husband insisted that we get up and watch it, and of course he was right. Uh, And yes, it was beautiful and in some ways groundbreaking. Meghan Markle, now the Duchess of Sussex, is of course biracial, and there were elements of black culture included in the ceremony. The bride walked herself partly down the aisle, and now the happy couple is delaying their honeymoon to get on with royal engagements. So, what do you make of it all? The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Right now, let's go to Johnny Diamond, who is a royal correspondent and presenter for BBC News, and Diane Johnston, who is a black actress and activist here. She's a dual U.S. and Canadian citizen. Welcome to you both. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Liddy. Okay, Johnny, you're uh, on the spot. Is is everybody still uh, completely obsessed with, with the wedding there? And, and what is the aftermath? Yeah, I think that's still a pretty good buzz, to be honest. Um, I think people are kind of still pinching themselves and going, what was that? You know, there was still a a moment where people went, wow, this really is a different service. Um, we knew it was going to be different from the start. I guess for the last couple of months, there have been announcements coming out of the office and residence of Prince Harry, Kingston Palace, saying this is going to be different, this is going to be different. But no one kind of knew that the service would, would look and sound so different as it did. And I think there's still a, a kind of, as I say, a kind of pinching themselves going, wow. That reading was different. That cello player, he was different. That gospel choir, that was different. Um, and so we wait to see what comes next. Can you take on that energy and that excitement and that diversity and that youth? Can you take it on within the confines of what is or what was, at any rate, a pretty traditional, sometimes pretty hidebound royal family? We'll see. But yeah, I think there's a a kind of, wow, that was different. Uh, before we get to Diane, on, on the subject of the, the sermon, I'm not sure if it was called the sermon. Um, uh, from I think it was the address. The address, okay. The address. Uh, uh, it looked to me like there were a lot of uh, British royals and upper-class people kind of snickering. I thought Camilla was maybe laughing under that ginormous hat. And and also, I think uh, Beatrice and Eugenie, um, uh, 
people, uh, uh, royal uh, upper class uh, Brits. They didn't know what to make of it. Am I correct? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, I worked in the states for a long time, and I, I sat through a fair number of sermons from fiery black preachers, and so I wasn't that surprised by it. And a friend of mine, who's a uh, vicar with the Church of England, kind of knew Bishop Curry, and he warned me for, beforehand. He said he's going to knock it out of the park, and he really did. Um, yeah, I think there was a, a bit of kind of, whoa, who's this guy from the senior royals? But I think equally there was a kind of, wow, listen to this. You know, the normal kind of stuff, which is slightly Monty Python from <laughs> yeah. English members of the clergy, was out of the window, and instead you had this amazing speech about love and fire yes. and why are we here these two people and I think there was a kind of wake up everybody this is why we're here we're here for these two we're here for love and we're here for fire I think this is one that unlike nearly every other address you've ever heard from a Church of England service this is one that will ring down the years that people will be quoting love and fire Diane uh, a lot of people of color found the whole thing extremely meaningful. Are you in? I mean, listen, I'm, this, this is history. It's, it's history in the making. And the, the address, yeah, love. I mean, this is what it's about. It's about love. And I think it's something that we're all looking for is love. Um, and also the prince, it, it, didn't he also kind of go against the grain? He's got a beard and he's in the armed services. I think that's something that's not supposed to happen as well, too. So these two are, are just breaking traditions and setting new trends. Well, no, they, they, they go into the armed services. Um, with the beard? I thought the beard wasn't with- acceptable. Well, yeah, what about the beard? Oh, the, the beard, beard. no. But go- he, needed, he needed permission from his grandmother, the queen, to wear the dark frock coat uniform of the Blues and Royals alongside that beard. You need oh. special permission for that. Right. You got it. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, so it's not just, you know, he, he's, he's just changing things all the way around, So, which is great. And, yeah, our people of color were just going, yes, look at what we're doing, you know. So hats off. Uh, is it a, a a big deal for you that the bride is biracial? Do you see that as somehow making um, all of society more inclusive? First of all, when I heard that she was from Crenshaw, <laughs> you know, uh, yes, and being half black and half white, it is a big deal because it just says, again, look at the the, the barriers being broken. Look at where we are now and, and how we are all joining in together. I'm, I'm in an interracial marriage. My husband is, is white, uh, Scottish background and it can happen, you know, and so it's like we've got to just stop thinking about the outside, the color. We know that there is racism in the world. It's always going to be here because you're always going to have love and hate. It's just going to exist. But what do we do? Where, where are we going to stand? Who are we going to stand up for? What part are we going to speak out for. Uh, yeah, and I, I would venture that the racism is probably worse in Britain than it is here. Whoa! 
Oh, you know, yes. I, I, you know what? I don't know because to being I'm, I was born in Connecticut, so I've dual citizenship. I've been here in Toronto for more than twenty years, and I've heard so many things. Oh, it's not like it is in the states. And then I meet people from other countries, and the stories that I hear about the darker skinned people, the things that they've had to deal with, I just go, wow. I think it's everywhere, and it just shows up differently in different places. Because when I first came here, people were telling me, and it was different. It's very subtle in Canada. Um, and I thought, oh, okay, great. We all just love each other. And there's, there's none of that. It's very subtle. So I think it's just a worldwide thing. And I think as long as we <laughs> exist, you're going to have good and evil. So you're going to have the prejudices. You're going to have the racism. It is going to exist. I think for as long as we're here, you're going to have that kind of thing. But again, what do we stand for? What do you stand for? That's what's important, right? Because we've got to make the change. Each one of us has the ability to make a change, like these two. Jo- uh, Johnny, I think uh, you didn't like what I said, so uh, <laughs> please refute it. <laughs> Look, it's a mix, Libby. It's a mix. Okay? I, I, I live in uh, London. I live in West London. I catch the bus from uh, my uh, headquarters in central London into West London. By the time I get into West London, I, I, I'm a minority white guy. I'm sometimes I'm the only English speaker on the bus, okay? It's a very, very diverse city, London. It really is. Probably, you know, 150-plus languages spoken. As I say, I, I'm quite often the only guy who speaks English. It's not a problem for me. It's a problem for them. For me, the delight of Saturday's service was seeing my country, uh, this, uh, uh, almost a rainbow country, certainly in the big cities, a rainbow country represented in that service, right at the top when it comes to the royal family. It was really, really good to see. And it's a representation of how uh, across, you know, public services, private areas, there there, there are and there is uh, proper representation of minorities. It's not a perfect world. There's still big problems uh, across uh, the UK, no doubt about it. It's different outside of the big cities. But this is still a big deal. It's a big, big moment where it says, listen, Britain has changed, the royal family has changed, this is a different country, and, and here's the proof of the pudding. So it was good to see, that's all. It was just good to see the diversity of the country represented properly. Okay, the, the, the other question I have about the whole thing, and I have to say, she was stunning, she was poised, I loved her dresses, no, no frou-frou on them, uh, but... It, it, to me, it had a bit of the aspect of, you know, a, a spectacle to keep the masses quiet. To me, there's something a little obscene about spending 43 million pounds or so on a wedding, even though it was gorgeous. I loved the flowers. Um, Johnny? You know, it's difficult. It, if you're going to have a royal family, um, you might as well do it properly. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that money was spent <laughs> on security. Um, you know, most of that money is, is security cost. And I, I, I'm, I'm not convinced it's quite that high. But anyway, a lot of it is security costs. We, we're a constitutional monarchy in the UK. It's simply how it works. Uh, you you made it, and you too as well, of course. Uh, I know that there's a, a lot of time and respect for the Queen as sovereign. Um, so, you know, it's how it goes. Um, you're not, we don't have a bicycling monarchy like they do in uh, the Netherlands or they do in some of the Scandinavian states. It's the full deal here. So, you know, this is how we do it, and that's what it costs. And some people, you know, a number of people, good proportion, don't like it. Uh, I was out and about in uh, the Midlands of the UK, and a fair number of people were saying, not watching it, don't care, not interested. 
But at the same time, you don't have the, that many of these moments in your life where a country or a good significant proportion of the country comes together, watches it and goes, yep, we do that well, we like that business, this is what we are. And if you're going to do it, you might say, A, we do it properly, and B, we do it so it represents the whole country. And that's what you got on Saturday. Um, and I personally have a principle. I don't count other people's money. I mean, if they've got it, then they're doing it fine. I mean, <laughs> good for them. Well, yeah, they've got it. But the royal family's money, I mean, you know, they didn't earn it. <laughs> well, you know, you can fight over who earned what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, a, there's a good chunk of it that is technically their own money. It's not from the taxpayer. Um, and it, it's a long and, and, and unhappy discussion over how much they pay, how much they get, how much they don't get. It just comes down to the basics, which was kind of argued over immediately after the war here, which is if you want to have a monarchy, it's going to cost some money. And, you know, in the end, the taxpayer is going to stump up for a, a good chunk of that. And then another chunk they will draw from their own private holdings. Um, I'm not paid to be their defender. Uh, there are significant problems with the way the whole thing is done, and it's very difficult to get to the bottom of some of it. But I you know, kind of think if you're going to do this, do it right. Don't do it so that it's mingy and stingy and, and everyone's worrying about the cost. And it is a monarchy, and then if you want to look at that, then you'd look at also here what we have, the Catholic Church, and the money involved in that, and who owns what, and where the money comes from. So that's a whole other show, right? That's a whole, that's a, that's a whole other show. Now, Johnny, I know that you have to go soon. Uh, other question, um, British people who are invited to royal events, I know they're, they are very discreet about everything, but, you know, all these uh, upstart American celebrities posted, you know, everything mm. on social media um how is that received listen harry has got stung by social media before yeah you know there was that incident back in las vegas where he's playing strip strip billiards i think it was and suddenly there's a picture of him in all his royal glory (laughs) they knew this was going to happen they understand uh harry and and megan they understand instagram they understand mobile phones they understand camera phones They, they they get that this, this, this institution, which for 40 or 50 years has been pretty stiff in the way it treats the rest of the world, understands that it's changing. And in fact, it's trying to embrace that because it's a way for them of getting around the commentary of people like me and people like the newspapers and appealing directly to people. So social media works for the royal family as well. And I'm sure they will try and exploit the fact that Meghan is very, very social media friendly. So they, they get that. It, things, I, I don't know, it's, you know, we've heard it before, but I do get the feeling that in this strange, strange institution, the royal family, the British royal family, things are actually genuinely changing. We'll see over the next few years. Come back to me in a few years' time. But I think things are changing. Well, Johnny, I hope we come back to you uh, long before a few years. I know you do have to go. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure, Libby. Pleasure. Okay. And uh, Diane, you are hanging on. And in the meantime, I'm going to take a call uh, from Donna in Hamilton, just reminding people the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And we are talking about the royal wedding. Donna in Hamilton. Hello? Hi. How are you doing, Libby? Fine. How are you? I'm good. Go ahead. Um, 
I was um, listening, to, as everybody else did, to this wedding, and I was switching channels between the Canadian and American channels, and then thinking, they're really pushing this, um, she's biracial. Mm-hmm. And because I've, my parents and grandparents are from England, um, I learned a lot of English history, and she's not the first biracial to join the royal family. Um, there is a queen, Charlotte, who was in the 1700s, was married to one of the first Georges. Right, and she was Portuguese, I think. No, she wasn't. She's African. Oh, okay. I thought she was uh, part Portuguese. She was part Portuguese, but she was part African. Yes, yes. No, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right, I think. And yeah. I uh, also did some research, and evidently, um, Harry, on both sides of his family, have Asian and African in their history. Uh-huh. Really? Yes. Because uh, I had, I mean, I remembered this because I took it in the school and I had to re- go redo it and look, uh, something's not right here, and I had to go and look up. And I just went online, and, and the information that's out there is unbelievable. There was even a portrait of her um, that evidently the Queen has, I think it's at um, Windsor, Mm-hmm. Um, of her, and he, she said uh, in a, an interview, she loves this picture because it shows this woman as she is with, uh, you know, with the hair, everything. She was not a very beautiful woman, but uh, this is what she, and she says, I keep this in here to remind me um, we're not all that important. Okay. Donna, thanks for that. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, we are uh, going to bring in Sean Horbin now. He is from the Monarchist League of Canada. Hi there, Sean. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? I'm very well. So, uh, a lot of departure from a tradition in this wedding. What did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, it was um, a lot of departure, but also a lot of critical retention. I think, uh, I thought it was just uh, absolutely amazing. It was I rewatched it again today, um, sort of preparing for this, and uh, for the second time around, I was just sort of thrilled by the whole thing. I thought it was just a a beautiful and elegant mixing of of traditions, um, and what I what I felt was most uh, powerful about it is that each tradition was itself. Like there was no. Let's try to pretend something's what it's not. Like there, the the gospel choir was a gospel choir, and the English choir sang an anthem by Thomas Tallis from the 1500s, very distinctly its own. But they were all there together in one service, beautifully celebrating uh, the 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 rebirth of an institution, as far as I'm concerned, and also uh, the this marriage between two very beautiful, wonderful people. It was just great, uh, really amazing. Uh, what about uh, Prince Charles uh, walking her at least partway down the aisle? I thought that was lovely. I think that uh, what what happened with her father is deeply regrettable, and I, mm-hmm. I, I hope he recovers as rapidly as possible. Um, I mean, these things happen. It's just the way timing works. And, uh, and it speaks to the relationship that Meghan already has with the royal family, that if she felt 
that Charles was suitable as a kind of replacement for her own father in that situation. She must already be very close to him. Well, um, I, I can't imagine if someone suggested it. I can't imagine how she could possibly say no. Um, am yeah. I wrong, Diane? Well, I think, again, uh, it, it's just great, as um, Sean just said, that she did say yes, or, you know, that it was okay, and her father took ill, right? I think he had a heart attack or something, yeah. and so he's recuperating. Um, you know, there was all this hoopla going on about her family. You know, it's unfortunate when you when you are successful, and especially in this light, that then all the dirt, everybody starts to come out and talk about what's wrong in the family and what you did and all that. So it didn't work out, but, you know, she had him um, to walk her down. She walked down halfway, and glad it wasn't her mom, I mean, just to keep up the tradition, because I had heard before it was going to be her mother. I kind of was hoping it was going to be oh. her, her mother. That's at least, a you know, a nod to, um, uh, you know, I wouldn't say feminism, but, you know, the, the, it, her mother is the person that actually raised her. Yeah, no, I, I get that, too. I'm just sort of a traditionalist, so I'm glad that, it, you know, it was um, that she did have a male to walk her down. But I did think about that, too. Her mom raised her, sure, yeah, but if you want to go with tradition. You know, Andrew Morton, I heard him saying, when I was watching bits of this, I haven't sat down and watched all of it in, in one big um, set yet, but he covers a lot of the royal family, and he was saying that this ceremony was the most humane that he has seen. You know, and just to hear... Bishop Michael Curry with his address of love. Again, that's what this is really all about. It's about the love. And, uh, you know, the other thing that that struck me with uh, the choice of Bishop uh, Michael Curry is that um, Megan is Catholic. She's actually going to have to convert, Sean. She's going to be baptized, I think, next month in the Anglican Church. No, she already has been. That's how she was able to get into the marriage. <laughs> um, I, I read. Where did I read that she was going to? Well, whatever. So she already has been. Yeah, yeah. That that goes down. That's a very old uh, law that stands in place from the Royal Act of Succession. And uh, if you're going to marry an heir to the throne and expect any children of yours to be considered to be in line for the throne, you yourself and your spouse, whichever way it goes, uh, both have to be members of the Church of England, which in Canada would be the Anglican Church. Um, so, uh, yes, yeah, she had to she had to fall in line, so to speak. But I think it was a very easy thing for her to do. I mean, clearly that choice of Michael Curry, he's Episcopalian, so that was that's, a, that's like Anglican. Anglican. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I think for her, as much as she was Catholic, I think it was more staying within the Christian tradition that mattered to her than the denomination itself. Yeah, and I I know that, uh, you know, the opposite way around, I think it was the last Pope who said, you know, all the Anglicans could come back, no problem, (laughs) to Catholicism. Yes, 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 I'm not surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, uh, let's take a call from Alan in Toronto. Hello, Alan. Hello. You're a first-time caller. Hello. Just a minute. We're going to give you the bell. There we go. Okay. You're on the air. Go ahead, Alan. Okay. First-time caller, yes. Um, Just through this, some some conversation about the uh, large amount of money spent on the wedding. But it seems to me, I mean, I'm not much of an economist. I'm more of a scientist. But it seems to me that the money is going back into the economy. I mean, the florists and the the security Mm -hmm. and whoever else, the money is, you know, being spent and recirculated, I guess, and it's not like it's being evaporated. Oh, yeah, and there's a a big tourism boost, uh, for sure, and um, not to mention all the tchotchkes. What's going to happen to all those Harry and Meghan plates? 
um, are, yeah. are you there? I'm here. I, I didn't understand your point. Okay, I'm, I'm not sure we can uh, go ahead. We'll see if we can still hear you. Mm. Alan, I'm going to let you go because your line's really bad, but thanks oh, for that. I, uh, I'm up in Newmarket driving. Uh, I guess I'm losing connection. Okay, so uh, thanks and call back another time. Okay, B- thank you. Bye-bye. Um, one question I have, Diane, uh, is, you know, with all of this analysis that we are indulging in, uh-huh. are we... Uh, imbuing this whole thing with just too much meaning? No, I, I, I don't think so. I, again, it, it is, it, it, this is different. Um, Megan was married before. That's usually a no-no, right, for the royal family. And she's also part black. That's not you know, okay, so we had a caller that came in and said that there was a queen before that was black. And I saw that someone had posted that just looking at social media that this is not the first, yeah. you know. So, but but still, it's not readily. It's, it's, it's not, been like 300 years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't 10 years ago, right? right. So it, this is different. She was an actress. You know, people have uh, have heard things about, well, I hope this lasts. You know, it's, it's just something that she just set out to do because she's just a goal-getter, you know, and she, she gets what she wants. So I don't think that we're making a big deal out of it. I, I, it is history in the making. It's beautiful to see. Uh, I'm I'm all for it. I've <laughs> never really watched a lot of royal things that have gone on. This, I'm into it. I, I really have to say that I am into it. I didn't get up for 4 o'clock in the morning to watch it, but I am into it. And, uh, Sean, what do you think this means for the monarchy? Well, I mean, I when I was watching it, I really thought, as somebody who knows the current monarchy, but also the history of the monarchy, it shows you how much has changed mm-hmm. in in what effectively is not all that long a period of time, because um, anybody who knows the history of the 20th century can tell you about the, the story of Edward VIII, and that was a man who, after becoming king, wanted to marry an American woman who had already had a husband but was divorced. And that idea, through the entire institution of the monarchy into such a crisis, that the only solution was for him to quit the kingship and leave England basically forever. Okay, um, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up, because here's, here's my take on that. So, number one, he was the king. Harry is not the king. He's mm. fifth or sixth in line to the throne. I forget which. So that's number one. And I think there was also a lot more at play um, with the abdication, basically because the king was a Nazi sympathizer. And I don't yeah, think I mean, that was going to be allowed to carry on one way or another. So I'm not sure those... Yes, it's, it, it, there's, there, there is a similarity in the situation, but it's definitely not the same situation. Well, a similar situation that I'll also reference then is also Princess Margaret, for example. She, too, wanted to marry a, a previously married person. Um, and that was absolutely nixed by the Queen herself. Right, and um, I think that... What is, yeah. Basically, one of the most difficult decisions the Queen ever had to make as a human being. Um, And I think uh, I would argue that also, if it was an heir to the throne now, that would, there would be a way of making it possible. Um, The Anglican Church has also updated itself so that these things are not as affronting to 
the the Church of England or the Anglicans as as it used to be. Um, just all of these traditional institutions have gradually stepped into this modern era where, you know, it's acknowledged that things don't work out the way we expect them to, and and remarriage is is more commonplace than it ever was before, and maybe not actually the cardinal sin that they always thought it was. So I I, I thought it actually spoke volumes as to where where things are now compared to where they were before. Oh, and we all forgot to mention that she's actually older than him. Right, I was just thinking that. <laughs> and she's older than he is. <laughs> and she's older than he is, not not by a whole lot. Um, so, uh, Diane, what does this mean to you uh, going forward? Well, there's a possibility that my daughter can marry a prince. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she has other ambitions than that. <laughs> Oh, what does it mean going forward? I don't know. I mean, it's just it's just nice to see. I, I like to see when uh, walls are, are are broken down, and um, you know, and traditions in a good way. As I said, I, I do like traditions, but you know, some of some of the things that we've made tradition out of, they they are they're ill. They're, they um, they don't have good meaning behind them. So I, I think going forward, I, I hope this is good. It helps people to know, especially people of color to know that, yes, you can. Again, another yes, you can. Okay. And, uh, Sean, what would you like to leave us with? Oh, I mean, uh, I just think, for me, uh, what I love is that the diversity that was brought into this uh, was celebrated and not criticized, and that's amazing. Um, It shouldn't be surprising, because this is 2018. and then for me, it's just there's a very human aspect to the monarchy in the 21st century. And with Meghan, I see a lot of what excited me and touched me when Kate married into the family, too, which is that a strong, capable, sincere uh, woman is stepping into the royal family who seems to have a very genuine desire to do good through that position. And... Uh, um, that's beautiful, and I, I think uh, uh, it's very hard to be upset about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, thank you both so much for joining us. We thank really you, appreciate it. Thank uh, you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye now. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, uh, we're coming back to a topic that is much less happy and cheerful. And uh, this, of course, is the beginning of the summer driving season, and it's turning out to be a terrible, deadly season for pedestrians and cyclists. And we're going to delve into that when we return before we go to break numbers. 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. And we'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.